levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985, na sequência do Acordo das Lages, e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening um, to everyone accompanying this uh, panel this this uh, this afternoon here on the East Coast, this morning on the West Coast. Uh, we're happy to be here today uh, to discuss something that is of uh, uh, some importance, especially to the uh, Portuguese American media. Um, how can we continue to reach multiple generations with news and information about our community? We have an excellent panel. Um, representing uh, uh, newspapers, uh, radio stations, also online programs as well. I'd like to introduce uh, Paulina Ruda from WJFD, uh, Ricky Durange for, from SIC Internacional SPT, Miguel Avila from Tribuna Portuguesa, Antonio Correia, correspondent of Luso-American newspaper in Florida, and also, uh, also has a video production uh, company. Uh, I will give each one of you uh, some time to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit more about e your individual projects. I'd also like to extend on behalf of all of us uh, the deepest condolences to uh, Professor Dinis Borges, who recently lost his mother. He was supposed to be one of the panelists uh, today, but due to this um, uh, tragic loss, unfortunately, he cannot be with us. Um, so the question is, how can we continue to reach multiple generations? But let's meet each one of you. Uh, with a brief introduction. We'll start with uh, Paulina Ruda from WJFD, located in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, good afternoon, Paulina. Thank you, Ricard. Uh, WJFD uh, 97.3 is a 50,000 watt FM radio station out of New Bedford. We have been transmitting as WJFD since uh, for over 46 years. But since the 50s, the frequency 97.3 has been transmitting some programming in Portuguese and it grew as the years went on. As other ethnic groups dropped out, the Portuguese picked up more, um, more programming hours. We are an entertainment radio station. We play basically play music, but we have a very strong um, public service announcement component. We have news from Portugal. We have local news. Of course, there's sports, especially the soccer. Um, we have DJs on uh, from six in the morning at 10, nine o'clock and including the weekends. And then we have also some programming from RDP. We have a protocol with RDP for many years now. 
because we are 50,000 watts and because Massachusetts and Rhode Island are not as big as California, we are able to reach all the Portuguese speaking communities of Massachusetts and Rhode Island and part of Connecticut and Long Island and Vermont and New Hampshire. So we reach about just over half a million Portuguese speakers in the, in the East Coast. Wonderful. Thank you, Paulina, and congratulations on the great work as always. Uh, I will uh, now call upon Miguel Avila from Tribuna Portuguesa to speak uh, a little bit about himself and the, uh, the Tribuna. Thank you, Ricardo. It's a pleasure to be with all of you and my fellow colleagues from uh, the media. Uh, it's uh, a pleasure to introduce the Portuguese Tribune. We've been in business for 42 years and based in California. Uh, we were originally founded in 1979 in San Jose, and now since 2003, we're based in Modesto in the Central Valley, where most of, of the Portuguese communities now reside. So in the 1990s, we transitioned the newspaper from being uh, your normal newspaper, where bringing uh, news from uh, Portugal to the communities to really being a community focused uh, newspaper. And that's been our dedication for the last um, several years. Um, we changed uh, to the current administration in 2003, and we continue to uh, update our formats. We continue to grow also in social media, because again, as we'll discuss in, in a few moments, uh, we want to reach out to multiple generations. Wonderful, thank you, Miguel. And next, I'd like to call upon Ricky Lurange, uh, who is representing CIP Internacional SPT out of uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, Ricky, for some reason, we're not able to uh, hear your audio. I'm not sure if you are muted. Um, but if you'd like to try to resolve this, we can, uh, we can move forward and then I can come back to you. All right. Uh, next, we have Antonio Curraia from Florida, uh, the correspondent for Luso Americano newspaper in Florida, and also has a, a video production uh, company. Antonio, uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to you know, greet uh, all the participants in this panel and thank AUKUS for organizing the event. Antonio, if you don't mind, I'm just going to interrupt for a second. If you are on a mobile phone, I ask that you place the phone vertically and not horizontally for Zoom purposes, oh, sure? it, it, it uh, changes the, the position of your, uh, your video. Much better. Now you are upright. Wonderful. Okay. Excellent. And if you'd like to make just some help. adjustments over here. Uh, so I know, uh, so I've been in Florida for about uh, 15 years. I started first in, uh, in uh, New York, up in Westchester County. And um, I have a video production business uh, right here in Florida called Bonita Video uh, LLC. I'm basically in Southwest Florida next to Naples, uh, Naples City of Bonita Springs, uh, Fort Myers, just below um, Tampa. And uh, we, have, we have a kind of a average sized community of Portuguese Americans over here around, I would say maybe around two, 3,000 of them. Um, we have a small Portuguese club over here as well. And um, it's not very active. It's a, a little old. We don't have our own headquarters, but you know, they do what they can to, um, you know, 
to keep the traditions alive as much as they can. Absolutely. Thank you uh, for your uh, contribution this uh, this afternoon as well. Um, we're, we're waiting on Ricky Durange. I believe he left the, the Zoom meet. We'll wait on him to come back. But in the meantime, um, we'll go on with, with the, first, uh, the first topic I'd, I'd like to discuss before we get into the main topic here is sustainability. Uh, we know this is always a big question mark for all media outlets, ethnic media outlets here in the US. How do we maintain sustainability uh, going into the future? And this means how do we survive even um, taking on new platforms to transmit uh, whatever it is, whatever type of media that we do that we do create. Uh, I'll go back to Paulina. Actually, Ricky Durange seems to be back on. Let's uh, let's check to see if the audio issue is straightened out. Uh, Ricky, can you hear us? And let's see if we can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. So Ricky Durange is uh, representing Seek International SPT out of Newark, New Jersey. Uh, if you don't mind, a uh, brief in introduction. Thank you, Ricardo. My apologies for that situation. My audio just went out for any reason. So I'm here to representing SPT, SIC uh, International. We are a, a TV station uh, broadcasting from Newark, New Jersey for all United States. Uh, we are in business for about 30 years and our goal uh, is to reach uh, all generations of uh, uh, Portuguese speaking and non-speaking uh, potential um, uh, people. We have uh, uh, our own programming uh, every day. We also affiliated with SIC International from Portugal and we are broadcasting 24 hours a day. All right, thank you, Ricky. And going back to the initial question now, sustainability, how do we maintain these Portuguese American media outlets uh, for future generations? Uh, what is the biggest obstacle, Paulina, uh, to maintain, uh, for example, WJFD? Well, I mean, uh, we are a business. <laughs> like I think all of us here are business. So the main obstacle and we, and, and the most important thing is uh, advertisement. There's no advertisement, there's no radio. There could be a huge audience, there could be many listeners, but if there's no advertisement, uh, there's no radio. But to get advertisement, to get audience, we have to be on top of things. And there's uh, some questions that I constantly ask myself, and we talk about a lot of this at WGFT is, why does the community listen to us? What are the benefits of them listening to us? How do they see us and how important are we to them? So based on that, uh, we see what the needs are and we can, can, can go towards the needs of the community, what they need, what they want, which pretty much goes what the advertisers. I mean, the advertisers, as long as we have programming that attracts audience, the advertisers are in. Um, so, and, and it, it, we constantly have to change. We constantly have to reevaluate um, radio, just like any, any media group, we can't be still in time. Things change, like in radio, um, in terms of uh, equipment, uh, equip of uh, media 
of what's going out there, like uh, Facebook, um, iHeartRadio, Alexa, Google Home. There's many other things that we have to keep on top of and know what is going out there. The other piece also that we have to keep reevaluating is the community, the audience. Who is the community? Uh, where are they now? What do they want now? Because even if I have an audience member in their 50s or 60s now, but if they started listening to us in their 40s or 30s, they are different now than when they were then. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep evaluating the, com- the community, the listeners, how much they have changed, what interests them now. And then we have to um, come up with interesting programming, programming that they like, that attracts them. And I think a very, very, very important piece is the connection, the connection of the community to us. And we feel that they are a fundamental part of of WJFT. Without them, there would be no WJFT. And we really take seriously our role in the community and what we bring to the community, how we connect the communities, how we inform the community, the connection to Portugal, even the connections between generations. Because a lot of our younger audience listen to us because they started listening at home with their grandparents and with their parents. So we always have to keep that in mind and take that very seriously. Miguel, I would I would believe that uh, the challenges are the same for Tribuna Portuguesa. Should we expect to get any support from Portugal, considering uh, that the language is being um, is being maintained, that the language is being spread through these media outlets? I think there's always a, an opportunity. We'll, so the Portuguese Tribune, as, as a practice, we do not accept subsidies. So, um, but however, there, there are a lot of Portuguese um, institutions, um, state-owned institutions, who can provide um, advertising. As Paulina was saying, it is a business after all, right? So I think... Um, I, I agree with what Paulina said in terms of content. We need to adjust the content to the audience, right? And we need to be there for that audience. The, the one thing I would add is, is the challenge that we have with balancing between the languages. Obviously, we're doing this, this webinar in English, right? To attract a bigger audience. And that's the balance that we, we need to, to have in all media, all Portuguese media in the U.S. is what's that balance between programming or, or articles in English versus in Portuguese. So the strategy that we have is in social media based on uh, all the data and the demographics that we have. Uh, it's mostly 70% uh, primary language is English. So therefore, there's a little more tendency for us to do things in English in social media. We usually do it also in both languages, but tendency to do it in English. On the print edition, we we sway the other way. It's about 70% uh, Portuguese, right? So to maintain the language as well. So, but what we're seeing is with the evolution of the community, especially here on the West Coast, where there's not a significant influx of new immigrants that, I think that's, that's going to sway a little bit to more 50-50 in the next few years in terms of English and, and Portuguese. Uh, Antonio, what are some of the challenges uh, to maintain 
uh, media outlets, uh, for example, in Florida. You said the area that, that you're in as a Portuguese club, it's an older Portuguese club, which indicates that probably the community there is of a demographic of over 50 or over 60. Um, so, so what is the secret of, of maintaining there in Florida, Portuguese media? Um, you know, uh, I think to address the question, we, we, I think this is a two-part question. One, what are we trying to maintain? Because we're talking about our, our national identity, our culture, and we are part of this, you know, this uh, multicultural environment uh, that it's the United States of America. Uh, so that's, that's part one. And second one, um, I don't think we are. I don't think we are maintaining what we have. I think we are losing it um, bit by bit. It's not a dramatic wave that is, uh, you know, just, you know, drowning us in, on a beach, but we, we are losing it. And uh, I believe that the reason why we are losing this connection is exactly what my colleague already mentioned, is uh, this um, seemingly um, imperative that we have, that uh, we have to defend the Portuguese nation, Portuguese language, Portuguese culture, Portuguese food, to maintain our identity. I would argue that we don't. I would argue that the only way that we're going to establish this uh, we're going to grow because I don't think maintenance is an issue. The older population is dying. We are basically talking about how can we reach the other generations to uh, jump aboard. I think the only way we can do this is to embrace other cultures. I think we reach, we need to reach not just the Brazilian culture just because they speak the same language, uh, but we need to reach other communities around us and invite us to share our um, customs, our culture. Uh, our local club over here, even though it's very small, has actually done some things that I have to uh, give them a lot of credit for. They've invited, you know, the Jamaicans, the the, the Mexicans, I mean, all the South Americans, of course. We had Germans coming. They tried to create a multicultural um, fair, if you want. And in this environment, we introduced them to Portuguese food, Portuguese music, and we told them, please. Invite us back. We'd like to go to your own community and find out about Jamaican food, about German food, about uh, you know, British customs, whatever. Uh, it was not a number. I think we had maybe 50 people that were not connected in any way, shape, or form with the Portuguese. But just like my colleagues are talking in newspaper and radio and TV, I think if, you, if we fall into the trap of just trying to reach the Portuguese, we are doomed to fail. I think it's absolutely necessary to reach out for everybody and find our niche within that community so that we can be part of an overall American experience. We are in the United States of America. This is where we are. We need to be part and we need to basically abide by the rules. There are so many cultures, so many religions, so many languages around here. Try to create a niche for ourselves and create a bubble around us. It's just, in my opinion, it's not going to work. I, Antonio, I can understand your perspective. <clears throat> You're in an area uh, where the Portuguese population isn't as significant as it would be in New England, California, or even New Jersey. Uh, so, so the needs may be a little different. Um, but in, in our particular areas, um, the, the population is higher, and there are a lot of uh, Luso descendants uh, that we can, we can also attain. 
uh, through, Portuguese, totally through Portuguese media. I totally understand what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying, but you have heard it already from our colleagues that they are trying to maintain. Mm -hmm. We, I think, I suggest that we should stop thinking that we need to maintain. We should grow, just like the United States. Go big or go home. Uh, Ricky, I will call upon you with, with a similar question, but I know Paulina wanted to interject, interject here. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to say that I, I don't see it as losing the community and losing the Portuguese speakers or losing the Portuguese culture. I, I see it as changing. And with like every culture and every group and every society, like we are very different from our parents, generations' parents. Things change, and that's what we have to adapt to. And besides, we are a Portuguese culture, Portuguese group community living in another country. So there's always some acculturation. So, and we just have to figure out. I mean, uh, and, and my experience at WJFT, and we are, we still transmit 24 hours a day in Portuguese. And one of the reasons we do that is because people tell us they want to hear the language. They want to hear it in Portuguese. Even people that grew up speaking Portuguese, but haven't spoken in 20, 30 years, but they still want to hear it. And they want to revive the language and they want to continue more about the language. So just because you grew up American, you don't speak as much, you might not even live in the community, you still want to have a foot in the community. You still want to know what's going on and you still want to participate in some things and you still want to learn, hear the language. You want to know the news of the community, the news of Portugal, the music of Portugal. And that's how we approach it. And we have, we grow, we change with the community. The way we do the programming and radio with WGFD is very different from 10 years ago, not much even more than 20, 30 years ago. And that's how we, to, to survive, we have to adapt. If you, if you permit me, <laughs> I know I'm talking too much. I just want to add something to what Miguel said. Uh, WGFD also does not accept subsidies and we do not believe, especially for media groups that compromises the media group, but we do accept advertising from Portugal. And I wish they would think of us when they advertise. Because what the feeling I get from Portugal is that they expect us to transmit information or whatever that Portugal needs to do to the community. And they expect us to do it for free while they pay the media in Portugal to do it. And that I have a problem with. Thank you. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, please. Thank you, Pauline. No problem. We're, we're <laughs> going to talk to Ricky now. Ricky. Your dynamic in the media outlet you work is a little different than than any other here, only because you have the the flag of Sikh uh, over SPT, which means there's a little more support in regards to content. Although that SPT is an independent company, so what are what are the biggest challenges in in say sustaining the programming that you insert into Sikh uh, International? Uh, thank you, Ricardo, for the opportunity. I believe that we need to embrace the journey. You know, uh, I was paying attention to all the comments. I do agree with Paulina that we do need more support, but I do believe as well that we have 
something in your hands that can make a difference. We need to understand the dynamics of where we are and we need to take advantage. You know, uh, I believe that we can take uh, an opportunity and make that uh, a great accomplishment if we know how to uh, use that dynamic to uh, what is what is in front of us, not looking too much to the past, but more importantly, understanding what we can do to move forward. Um, answering your question directly, I do believe that uh, the programming that we do here in Newark um, is probably the one supporting the station, not the other way around, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. I do believe that uh, the people in the United States, the Portuguese people in the United States, and I'm talking about first, second, third generation, uh, they want more from us. They want us to be able to meet their needs. The idea of, oh, let me take a look at RTP or SEEK that we have from 10 years ago, I do believe that this new generation deserves the opportunity to have a space and that comes from institutions uh, like uh, Portuguese Tribune, uh, the, the radio station uh, or TV station. I do believe that we need to embrace the journey where we are and give the opportunity to the new talent to reach that audience. Uh, yes, we can get uh, support and I believe that we need support from Portugal, but we need to be able to show them that we are probably the best flag that the country has outside. You know, we are uh, doing, we, all of us, a, a great work towards our country. You know, the majority of people that goes to Portugal, well, not in the past 19 months, but prior to pandemic, they went there because they, they know someone that is from Portugal. They really appreciate the food, the, the talent, the hard working. And therefore, they want to go there. They want to know more. And when they come back, uh, they discover parts of Portugal that are extremely important. So we need to take advantage as a media of that and making sure that we start showcasing what we do, not only for the Portuguese, first, second, third generations, but those that are affiliated with Portugal here. Uh, I give you my example. My wife is not Portuguese. You know, why not uh, people from a different ethnicity, from a different background, to start looking at the Portuguese media groups as an opportunity for them to be informed. I do believe that we have a huge uh, opportunity in your hands that is making sure that we keep the Portuguese tradition, the Portuguese language with it as well, as Paulina mentioned, embrace the concept that we are in the United States and therefore we can make a difference even if we need to use the English language to be there. Uh, thank you, Ricky. <clears throat> I think all of us realize this, but sometimes many don't, that uh, being an ethnic uh, media representative uh, in, uh, in the United States is, is a difficult task in that our audience uh, is very diverse, but we're one media outlet. In American media, if you don't like the programming, you change the channel to something else that's American and that is, is, goes uh, with, with your interests or your tastes. With Portuguese media, there's one outlet who has to try to serve many different demographics. 
uh, for the longest time, uh, and, and I'm speaking Portuguese media, which, is, which has existed on average probably around 50 years at its strongest point. So we were looking at about two and a half generations that were served uh, during those 50 years. So now looking forward, there is a generation that's probably not as attached to the, to the uh, Portuguese um, culture or to the Portuguese community, but that has some interest in learning more. Uh, now, content. Content is the question. What kind of content can Portuguese media in the U.S. produce that will attract a younger generation, a generation that loves TikTok, that loves Instagram, uh, that is, is more inclined towards, in many instances, gossip than information? So I'm talking more in a general sense, in a more popular sense, uh, obviously generalizing this but there are uh, many, different, uh, many different situations. So I know in WJFD, um, there are many different platforms now where you can go on uh, Amazon Alexa, ask to listen to Portuguese radio, WJFD will come, out, come up, uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, Miguel, you spoke about how through social media, the newspaper is, uh, is uh, divulged in both languages. Um, I know uh, Ricky with, uh, with SBT, you guys do much, uh, much of your programming live uh, on social media to attain other communities other than the Newark, New Jersey community. Um, Antonio, I'm not sure uh, to what aspect uh, that, that you do has gone uh, into social media, if you want to elaborate just quickly upon that so that I can move on to, to, to the question and to my point here. He's Antonio? He's muted. Antonio, can uh, we still cannot hear you? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you're, you're asking about Florida? Uh, yes, in your area and in what you do, uh, is there any involvement with, for example, social media or other platforms that may, uh, may reach a larger audience? The only media in terms of Portuguese language that reaches uh, this this uh, area of the country is the Luso Americano. Okay. Nothing else. There's, so, a, there's been some effort from uh, um, uh, uh, some some group of guys trying to create a YouTube channel, uh, a radio YouTube channel in Palm Coast. Um, I think it's still active, but it's kind of on and off uh, kind of a thing. So that's that's very minimal what we have here in Florida. So I know Luzo American was published online as well. Uh, so that, mm -hmm. that is one, one platform uh, that, uh, that can attain a larger audience as well. So now I ask, what kind of content would be appealing to a younger audience, in your opinion, and what steps should be taken from now on? We know this question comes about probably every 10 or 15 years, and then the inevitable, oh, this is all going to end, and it hasn't ended thus far, and this question has come up time and time again. So what can be done now with so much technology and so many ways to promote, what can be done to attract uh, a younger audience and a new generation of Portuguese Americans? We'll start with, uh, with Miguel. So that's a, a, a great question. Um, but it, again, I have to remind folks, as Paulina said very well at the beginning, it is a business. Um, and so we need to have, we need to attract new audiences but also needs to be an audience that provides revenue to the, to the media group, right? Whether it's through advertising or supporting advertisers, right? So it's not just direct, and in our case, it's through subscriptions, 
right? I, I think uh, there's a, um, uh, probably between the Generation Xers and the Millennials where people got used to everything's for free. I think Generation Z is starting to pick up on, yeah, I got to pay for content, right? So I, I think some media outlets are able to capture um, some generations that are now realizing I need to pay for content. But I can tell you during the pandemic, because obviously the Portuguese community, like the entire nation and the entire world suffered through the pandemic, we offered our online edition for free for about 15 months, right? As our way to say, thank you, we're here with you. Um, we were able to, to publish the same number of editions, the same number of pages, even though keeping in mind between, especially between May and October, these are where, where most of the community events take place on the West Coast, right? And that's what we cover. That's what we cover during that period. We didn't have that um, mostly for the last two years. So how do we make that up? I think one of the things we did, which I think was a, a great idea um, at the time was to, to really get to, to do in-depth interviews, get to know the individual behind the individual. Right, that's something we used to, to do interviews. Obviously, we've always done interviews, but this were more in-depth interviews, and it was also articles in the first person. So, from different generations, um, these folks may have been born here. They were they came from Portugal at an early age. But how do we get that interest in people wanting to read more about this? So it's a balance of doing. How how is our community doing, right? Um, and and then there's the obviously um, we all suffer from this, which is I gotta have it now, and I only have a minute to read, right? So how do we balance the more in-depth coverage and then the the more of okay I gotta look at this and I'm done. We try to balance that with a lot of uh, photography, right? Especially of community events, so that you yeah you don't need to, whatever language you speak or read, you can look at beautiful pictures and, and see the, and get the sense of, of the events. Um, so in terms of the generational gap is I think going back to and, and reaching to them um, at the different platforms, right? Okay, I remember when Facebook first came out, it was all the younger generation. Then when the grandparents moved on to Facebook, they moved out. Right, so they moved on to other platforms. Um, so how do we follow those platforms? But again, it all goes back to, it has to be content that drives eventually revenue. So uh, we can't forget that. We do a lot of things for free, as many of you mentioned, um, but but there needs to be some some revenue coming in in order for us to, to continue to grow. And Paulina, what kind of content will attract a younger audience in your opinion? Um, I think for us in a way it's easy because music is always easy and you, music always bridges all the generations and, 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 and all age groups. And fortunately, Portugal has wonderful, wonderful music now. And they even have music that they sing it in English and in Portuguese, half of the song English or, or the, um, some of the lyrics in English. So that really helps. And it's the type of music that really attracts the, the younger generation. Now, the issue of platforms and internets and Facebook, this is an issue 
that every media group in the United States is facing right now. It's not just us. And every media group is using, and today, I mean, even radio stations are hiring video people because you have to have a Facebook page that you post video. And if you don't, no one's gonna be listening or watching you. So it affects every media group. I think one of the things that we have, an advantage that we have over other media, and when I say talk to other media group, not necessarily Portuguese, or even the FCC, we've had some issues that we've gone to the FCC and we've had the, this conversation with the FCC, is that one of the advantages that we have is that we are local and we do everything local. Radio, and I'm gonna talk just specifically about radio because that's what I know. Radio in the United States right now is very genetic. Okay, these big media groups, but all, all the big, like an independent 50,000 watts base station like us is very rare. And especially ethnic, mm -hmm. independent ethnic 50,000, very rare. And actually when we went to the FCC, they could not believe that we still exist. <laughs> which says a lot about the FCC and how they see the whole market thing. But other American stations, they, they claim they are local, but they are not local. If you listen to them like I do, Ricardo, if you listen to one Fun 107, do you see anything local or hear anything local like we do? The news, events, things, interviews, like during COVID, during the pandemic. We were like 24 hours a day, pandemic, pandemic. They had nothing. So I think one of the advantage to all generations is that we are local. And right now, 90% of people tune in to radio because they want local. So I think one of the important things is we have to stay local. Mm -hmm. Local, the Portuguese community, and local also what's happening in the American community around because there's important news also for the community. Absolutely. Another thing that I look at is people tend to go on Facebooks and Twitters and this, and they look at, at users. I have so many clicks, I have so many this, so many that. That doesn't mean anything. I can go anywhere and click. Doesn't mean I'm listening. Doesn't mean I, I'm, I'm buying at the, the advertisers, whatever specials they're advertising. What I want is a loyal fan base loyal listeners that will, will always come back, okay? And how do I do that? By giving them what they want. Being local, important information from the Portuguese and American community, um, information from Portugal, that's, that's another factor that, that we notice, young and old they like is information from Portugal, news events, quick and easy quick, sweet, to the spot, not like a big one-hour report from Portugal. Audiences, you have to give them 10, 15 minutes. You go more than that, you lose them. Okay, and then you switch to the next station and you do not want that. So we just have to be in tune to, as things change, what they want and what they need. And I think that's how we're gonna capture them. Thank you, Paulina. Obviously, this is a discussion that can go on for hours. We were allowed allotted one hour. We have 20 minutes left, so we'll try to um, try to get the, the most information possible in the next 20 minutes. Uh, Ricky, um, through television and, and through what you, you guys do there as well, I know there's a, a focus on local. Um, what kind of content is needed to attract 
the next generation of viewers in your case? Uh, thank you, Ricardo. So two things that I believe that is extremely important. Number one is we need to be short and straight to the point to make sure that we go, uh, uh, that we reach, uh, you know, that first generation, but also we put our eye on that second generation. You know, uh, I give you an example. If I post on my Facebook page uh, a 30 seconds video, I may get 20,000 views. If I put a 30 minutes video, thousand people will see that. So the new generation uh, wants something short, straight to the point. So I do believe that we need to uh, have more content, local content, but in our particular case uh, from all locals. So I need to have content uh, from Massachusetts to attract people from New England. I need to have content from California. I need to have content from Florida. But more important, I believe that we are, uh, we need to um, be able to embrace the opportunity that we have. If we think about Portugal, everybody knows Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. If soccer is growing drastically, I will say in a good way, in the United States, I do believe that we need to take the opportunity and have more sport content directed to that new generation. Also, day one, the new generation wants to know what Portugal has to offer to them. I do believe that that's the, the key point. We need to be able to showcase in Portugal what we are able to do here. So this way, the idea that we not only take dollars to Portugal, but we will be able to bring talent to Portugal can be and should be done by us, by showcasing that new generation. I like in-depth interviews, but uh, I believe and in, on TV, we're going to start a new project very soon. That has to do with that second generation. I, I really don't care if they speak 80% English during that interview, but if they feel Portugal the same way that I feel, and you know, I was born there, then I believe that I'm halfway through to make sure that my message gets there in a different way. Because that's for me is the biggest challenge that we have. Portugal, in order to invest on us they need to have a different perception for what we can bring there. Thank you, Ricky. Um, Antonio, in Florida, I know you said you were uh, in your location on the west coast of Florida, um, but, but there is a community like Palm Coast, like Orlando, where the Portuguese community seems to be growing or seems to have grown in the past few years. Uh, so th th there is possibly untapped potential there. What kind of content can be produced uh, to attract this newfound Portuguese community in Florida? Well, and I think Florida is probably the, the fourth state with the most Portuguese. A lot of people are uh, moving to Florida because of the weather, naturally, and, and also because of the politics. Let's not forget about that. The, um, but the, actually, there's a kind of an urban myth thinking that Palm Coast has the biggest concentration of Portuguese, that it's not, it's not factual. The, the mo most of the Portuguese who live in Florida live south of Orlando. So we're talking places like Fort Lauderdale, uh, we're talking West Palm Beach, you know, all that corridor on the East Coast. It's, um, that's where the most Portuguese live. It's not an accident that the, the Portuguese consulate has actually uh, created very recently, well, not you know, a few months ago. Uh, and a, a moving consulate 
to go to Forza once every month. So one week out of every month, <clears throat> excuse me, the Portuguese consulate moved from Palm Coast, you know, with Arma de Bagagens, to Coral Gables to, uh, to respond to the need that exists over here. It was actually a, you know, a half-hill battle that we had with them. But uh, we have a phenomenal uh, gentleman, uh, a diplomat, João Queimado, that is doing an outstanding job. I mean, this, uh, I think the Palm Coast Honorary Council is the, the most, the, the busiest one in the United States of America. I'm not sure about California, but we have people from California coming to Palm Coast to take care of their business. I don't know how this happens, but going back to your question. <laughs> so, of, uh, exactly. So given that content, point, what, what kind of content can attract? Uh, the, the, I think there's a, uh, I, I like to touch on two things, the, the music and the, the, and the, the length. The music, Paulina, uh, if, uh, if you remember, and I was part of that movement in Portugal back in the 80s, where we actually started moving from music in English to music in Portuguese. You know, Chip Fininhos, or the Rock, you know, that became super popular. Portuguese was the way to, to, to sing. And just, just in fact, the whole country, everybody was, there was Portuguese groups all over singing in Portuguese. So I don't think that the Portuguese and the English are actually colliding. I don't think this return to English is going to help in any way. Uh, the second one has to do with the length. I have just uh, published an interview with, uh, with through the Luso American with uh, the, the ambassador of the United States, uh, and we did a whole page. I told Enrique Mann that this, we cannot have a soundbite over here. We need a whole page to explain what we are doing, what the Portuguese is doing. So the content had to include all the points. So Enrique and Luz American, to their credit, actually allowed me to have a full page in the Luz American to explain uh, using the words of the Spirit Ambassador. So I think, uh, you know, I know it's difficult for the Portuguese media because income is such a basic, such a, uh, an important matter, but we, if we want really to reach everybody, we start, we need to stop thinking about small things and sound bites. We need to go for content, yes, but we need to think about the big picture. You say you just said it that the people need to understand what Portugal has there to give it to them. I'm telling you that they don't want sound bites. They want to know an extent like where can I go on vacation or where can I actually invest in Portugal? Because the generation we're talking about is not the 12, 13, 14, 15 year old. We're talking about the 30 year olds. Those are the ones that actually have the money to spend and to maintain our media available. Just to make sure, I think we need an overall strategy in the United States, all the media and Palcos and the Tribuna Portuguesa and the radios are vital in that mission. When a vital strategy, a global strategy that you can actually use to reach every single community in the United States and let them know what, what Portugal has to offer. It's a general content strategy that I think we should implement. Um, the, the next hey, question. Uh, <laughs> yes, Paulina. I think uh, if Portugal is going to be involved, Portugal needs to step up and invest in the local media. Miguel Absolutely. is smiling because I, I, I say this all the time. No one, and I'm speaking for myself and each of you will, have, will be able to say the same. No one, no one promotes Portugal more than we do. For free. Portugal spins millions, millions all over the world promoting Portugal. With us and in the communities, they spend nothing and they expect us to do it for free. Well, my answer to that has been for many years and I have been telling them that I'm not gonna do anything for free. 
I do, there's the news, we do speak about Portugal, there as far as I go, they want more, they have to pay for it. They have to invest in it, not ignore us. And I, I, I just add to Paulina's point, I, I think it also involves our relationship as media with our local Portuguese officials, right? I think when there's a, a better connection with a consul general or an ambassador to, to, to the US, I think there's a better understanding of what the communities are. Um, because again, um, some, let's say, university program gets funding, and then the expectation is the newspaper or the radio covers it for free. And, and so I think that there's that balance. And again, we're not asking for subsidies. All, all we're asking is, if you want to put an ad, don't expect the ad to be free. You pay like anybody else. Now, my, my next question, and um, I had quite a few, but we're going to try to condense this. Um, th this is usually a topic of division. Uh, for example, here in New England, where this has been discussed many times, uh, some media outlets decide to adopt this, others not. Bilingual, is that the way to go? Portuguese and English? I know each, one, each media outlet from newspaper to radio to television has different needs, different type of uh, viewers, listeners, or readers, but is bilingual the way to go? Uh, Miguel, I'll, I'll start with you. It's do that or die. Um, as, as a pure media outlet, I, I think the radio still has some more years to go that they can, they can uh, you know, uh, sustain radio stations with 100% uh, Portuguese. But I, I think when you have uh, media such as written media, uh, you have to do it bilingual. And as I said, I think right now, um, if you have anything less than about 20 to 30% of content, you're not going to attract new generations. Uh, it's going to get to 50-50 soon in the next few years. And, and I, then it's going to go the other way. So, um, so I, I think it has to be. Uh, and, and why not in other um, parts of the country, like Antonio was saying, why not put a, a Spanish section in, in Florida, you know, for the Florida, uh, if, if you're trying to attract Florida or even in California, right? So I, I think there's a, um, an opportunity for us to, to look at that. The more we can, again, um, we call ourselves the mirror of the Portuguese community. And that's because our job, we feel our job is to portray our own community to the outside. So whether it's to Portugal, whether it's to the, the broader American community in general. So I, I think, again, to answer your question specifically, it has to be multilingual. Antonio, uh, do you agree? Uh, bilingual or not? I know, trilingual, quadrilingual, you call it, polyglotis, you know? The, definitely there's gotta be some message in Portuguese because we are Portuguese, we are catering to the Portuguese market. But you just said that those are the those are words that we should live by. You know, it's got to be the language cannot be a, a, a pebble on on the road. You know, if that pebble is there, move it along and you know go after the market. Because I'm sure, I mean, I'm interested in finding out what's happening in other cultures. I'm sure other cultures are interested in uh, knowing what's going on about Portugal. You know, they. I've been called, I mean, in the middle of the street, I have been asked, I look, I work a lot with government, local government, and they keep telling me, hey, Portugal is doing so well fighting the pandemic. I got you guys are on the top of the people vaccinated. How do you do it? I thought you guys are just, you know, a small potato here, you know, you know 
third world country kind of a thing. How you do that? And I say, and I'm like, come on, what the heck are you talking about? We are a civilized nation just like everybody else. You know, we have also great doctors and great strategies. You know, it's this is beyond language. This is a uh, this is a global community that exists uh, that we need to be a part of. You know, so you know to use those words, go Portuguese, go English, go Spanish, go Creole. I mean. I, I know I, I could tell you a story that happened to me in Bonaire where I actually heard Portuguese in the taxi and they speak Papiamento. I mean, it's a mixture of Creole and Spanish and French and Dutch. And I'm listening to Portuguese on a taxi in the middle of the Curacao Islands. I mean, what the heck? This is a world that we live in. It's a global message that we need to convey. Portuguese is definitely what we are for, but we got to think outside the box. So I started with Miguel and Antonio on purpose with this question because I know you're both in print media. So so it's red. The needs are different for spoken Portuguese. I'll I'll uh, I'll go to Ricky now. Uh, television, it, Portuguese television is bilingual. The future as well. Uh, yes, Ricardo. I look at our demographics right now in my PC, and 55% of the people that following us are uh, on the age group of 55 plus means that uh, if you want to embrace the future you need to start now and therefore uh, bilingual trilingual as antonio mentioned we need to understand the dynamics where we are and since we are you know a, a, a national platform we may need to embrace uh, a spanish segment a french segment you know whatever needs to be done I do believe that we need to keep uh, um, some content specific to Portuguese because that's the reason why we are there. But we need to open the doors to be able to attract other communities. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. I was approached a week ago by uh, uh, a candidate for the uh, next election uh, from a small town here in New Jersey that come to me and told, hey, can I advertise in your TV station? I am, uh, uh, I'm a candidate in the place where uh, one in each four of the residents are Portuguese. I do not speak Portuguese, but I need to be able to get my message across. So I do believe that that is a small opportunity and we need to embrace that towards the future. But we need to have a strategy because if we are thinking uh, one push to one side, the other one uh, thinking that as a better idea, we're not going to go anywhere. I think that that's collectively, we need to understand the dynamics and make sure that in Portugal, and I keep going to Portugal because I do believe that we have way more to offer to them. I do not work for free for them. If they ask me to do something for them, they need to pay me for it. If they come in here, they need to pay me for it because, you know, it's one thing is Miguel calls me and say, hey, Rick, can you do something for me? Yes, I do, because he does for me every day or your Ricardo. But uh, taking advantage of our talent, we need to stop that. And therefore, if you want, you come to me and you pay me for it. The moment that we all start doing that and stop showing just to show our face there, we gain the respect from there the same way that we are gaining the respect from other communities around the United States. Being television and just, just a yes or no, or no question, Ricky, uh, do you think that subtitles are, are an effective method uh, to maintain some sort of bilingual connection? 
I do, I do. As a matter of fact, that I was working on that with the CEO from a university hospital here in Newark. It's an eight-minute piece, and there's going to be subtitles there, yes. Paulina, um, bilingual future, uh, is that also the future of WJFD? Right now, uh, I don't see it. Right now, I think we still have a strong enough base and just by looking at all the Portuguese schools, all the universities, the community, uh, I think right now it's all Portuguese, 100% Portuguese. And I think if we are lucky, <laughs> probably have another 15 years. What concerns me more than that is, will we have advertisers for another 10 to 15 years? That's what concerns me. I think the advertisers will go before the language will go in our situation. Well, let's let's hope that's not the case. Um, and we're going to sum this up. Uh, we're right on top of the hour. I believe I can go a couple of minutes more. If Graciela, you can just let me know uh, through chat if that's possible or not. But I wanted to sum this up uh, with the major question we're posing today. Uh, after the discussion today, and in a more um, in a more condensed form or condensed response, how can we continue? to reach multiple generations going forward. How can we answer this question in a very condensed form to, to finish up uh, this, uh, this discussion this afternoon? Uh, and I'll start with, uh, I'll start with me. Well, uh, Paulina, we'll start with you. Uh, you. You were the last one to speak, so we'll give you this opportunity to sum things up for this afternoon. I think we just have to keep paying attention to the audience. I think that's fundamental. Uh, we sit down frequently and we analyze who's out there, who's listening to us, what they want and what they need. We take every opportunity to listen to the younger generations, to the older generations, to the in between, to anyone. And, and, and we listen to, or even emails that we get or messages and we listen to what they are telling us that this is why I listen. This is why I want what I want. And what they tell us that they want is Portuguese, everything Portuguese. And what they tell us that they want is local. So I think that's what we will continue doing for now. Uh, Miguel, uh, how do we continue to reach multiple generations going forward? I, I think it has to do in, in multiple languages. It has to do across multiple platforms. Uh, the content has to be diversified uh, to address the, the different audiences. And, and by the way, um, I know there was a comment on, on Facebook about a comment that may, may have been controversial that I made about paying for content, right? And uh, as, um, as Ricky was saying as well, payment can come in all types of, of forms, right? So as, uh, as Ricky said, can be through a partnership, right? So I think one of the things that we've started doing better as, as a group media groups across the US is that actually partner amongst ourselves because there's a lot of content that comes from all of our communities through us right and i think historically we we really haven't connected that much so i think the pandemic i think forced uh, the the conversation and and the us seeking content that it forced us so that's one way to uh, to address a bigger audience really is to have better connections um, and partnerships not just with media but with community organizations as well thank you miguel ricky same question what can we do 
to reach multiple generations going forward? I believe, Ricardo, there is no boundaries. We need to embrace uh, uh, the challenging and take our talent to make sure that we make a difference. Pay attention to the feedback that we received every day. I'm 100% with Paulina. You know, uh, we cannot only have a news show. We need to have more content. We need to make sure that we understand the needs of everyone that embrace who we are as a Portuguese, but also open the door to other communities that have different way of view things. Uh, but we can get to that, you know, uh, the same way that we have uh, English music on Portuguese TV. Why not have Spanish music on the Portuguese TV in the United States and make sure that we embrace that challenge and open the door uh, to become a, a strong partner to other entities around us because we are in the United States and this melting pot, we need to take advantage of that. Thank you, Ricky. And Antonio, uh, how do you sum up uh, today's discussion? Uh, what can be done? How do you attract future generations? Well, I, I have to uh, just echo the words of Paulina and from Miguel. Paulina, you can say in the radio, I started on radio myself back in the 80s. So I know I, I was one of the pirate radio stations and you know, broadcasting a block from a van. And then we got our own building and then we built an, an audience starting like that. And Miguel just said it as well. Uh, it, it's globalization. We, we, need, we need a global strategy. If we want to make a difference in how the media and uh, the Portuguese uh, communities are perceived in the United States of America, there's got to be some kind of a global strategy with like focus as a uh, as a the perfect vehicle, the perfect means to probably to probably to reach that. And uh, it's uh, like I said in the beginning. I'm, uh, it's, uh, it might sound a little dark, but go big or go home. You know, we need to make a splash. You know, the Portuguese is here to stay, and we need to make every every we can to reach everybody. You know? Thank you, Antonio. Uh, and just to wrap things up, I want each one of you to let the audience know exactly how they can listen, read, or watch. Uh, your programming and content. Uh, Paulina? Um, in New England, 97.3, or through Facebook, through our app, uh, iHeartRadio, Alexa, Google Home. Excellent. Thank you, Paulina. And Miguel, how can we read uh, Tribuna Portuguesa? Portuguese Tribune.com or Tribuna Portuguesa.com. Thank you, Miguel. Ricky, how can we watch uh, SPT? Uh, you'll uh, the platforms, cable platforms in the United States, also through Dish Network or through the Facebook on SPT television channel. Thank you, Ricky. Antonio, how can we read Jornal Luso-American? Well, Jornal Luso-American, you must contact with the, the, the go to the website, luso-american.com.org, uh, I believe. I'm sorry, I'm not even know. It's one of you. Just type luso-americano. You know, it's an amazing newspaper, which is also bilingual. Uh, and I think sometimes it's actually an effort to go something in Spanish and even French Creole. Uh, but Luz Americano is, is an amazing experience that we all share over here in, in Florida. Without Luz, we really wouldn't know most of what's going on with the, Amer the Portuguese community in the United States of America. Thank you, Antonio. Uh, Paulina Ruda, uh, owner of WJFP, uh, Miguel Avila from Portuguese Tribune, uh, Ricky Durange from SPT Sique Internacional, Antonio Correa, correspondent of Jornal Luso Americano. Thank you to these distinguished guests for participating in uh, today's discussion. Um, like I said, we can go on for hours. Hopefully, Palkis will give us the opportunity to elaborate more on this topic in the future. But thank you for your valid contribution to this uh, discussion this afternoon.
Thank you, everybody. And to everyone watching, thank you very much for watching. And we'd like to thank the sponsors as well, including Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento, FLADS, and other sponsors who made this national conference possible. Congratulations to Angela, uh, to Graciel, to the board of directors of Falcus, all committee members, uh, for once again through the pandemic, and hopefully we're on the tail end of this pandemic, uh, have found a way for Palkis to be active, to communicate, to reach a larger audience, and continue its mission of defending uh, the Portuguese here in the United States of America. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great afternoon.